For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you can learn to work and play and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday Night Wars, episode 3, the podcast devoted to AW and NXT every Wednesday night. Joining me as always is Liam Jones. Liam, how are you doing? We're still here, we still made it, I'm still cold, I'm still sick, it's been three weeks, will I die? Let's go! Why are you cold? Aren't you in, like, Australian spring? Isn't it supposed to be warm there? Uh, Australian spring, and specifically Melbourneian spring, is very bipolar, in that it'll be very cold one second and very hot the next. Because, like, it's, it's the middle of October here, which is approaching the depths of winter. And I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not equipped for winter. I'm a man that wears shorts. It's also the middle of October around. here. Fun fact. Well, oh, well, it's real October here, though. You have fake seasons. Hmm. Your seasons make no sense. They're the reverse of the actual seasons. Which countries have which seasons? <laughs> Well, there's the Northern and Southern Hemisphere, and the Northern Hemisphere have the regular seasons, and the Southern Hemisphere have the bizarre, Bizarro seasons. It's like Jerry Lawler in Canada, except Canada's in the Right Hemisphere. It's like <laughs> the Right Hemisphere. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Um, wrestling. Wrestling, we have AEW and NXT, as usual. Last week, AEW won, so this week, AEW goes first. So let's get straight into you it. Said, as Dynamite. usual. <laughs> As usual, AEW wins. We have done two podcasts. AEW have won them both. AEW wins, as usual. I don't know how much longer this podcast is going to happen. Not for a lack of us doing it, but for the fact that, like, how much longer will these shows be on the same time? I think it's reaching a stage, like, NXT was 27th. 27th. On cable last week. More people watch Sean Hannity than more young people, that is, uh, and also total viewers, but that's neither here nor there, uh, watched Sean Hannity than NXT last week, which is, is crazy. He's just, he, he rambles the old people incoherently. That's that's his gimmick. Like, people people are running away from this show in droves. It's, it's very much losing, which I'll get to that when we're talking about NXT, because that's what really baffles me. Allegedly the highest trending tweet related to NXT was at 14 worldwide, and it was Keith Lee's name. Well, good for Keith Lee. But not good for the brand. No, sure isn't. And AEW is trending worldwide. They had, they had AEW Philadelphia, which wasn't even the actual hashtag trending worldwide, as well as AEW and TNT trending worldwide. What a company, am I right? AEW kicked off Dynamite with the second of the tag team title first round matches between SCU and Best Friends, but the the dastardly Lucha Bros attacked SCU. Do you think this is playing the hand that the final is Lucha Bros against SCU too much? What? That hadn't even occurred to me. Do you think it's going to be Scorp in the final, or do you think they're going to do, like, redemption for Daniels? 
I feel like you can't do the the way they did this match. Daniels was taken up by the Lucha Bros, and then Scorpio Sky replaced them in in tennis shoes and pants, and did a hell of a job. I don't think I, I think that the the construction of this match, and then one would assume the tournament is to try and make a star of Scorpio Sky, and I think this match more or less succeeded at that. Yeah, it it'll be a recurring theme th- of throughout the night where like mid card acts are getting more and more over as you see this show go on. Yeah, it was. I think that was a problem with the first two weeks, where it was there was the clear pecking order of the stars, the people who are actually the you know the AEW audience are there to see, and then the mid cards were kind of like, Oy. but now the, the, like Scorpio Sky got a huge reaction to this match. I think the, the the only critique I have of the way this match was constructed was that Scorpio Sky cut off the best friend's hug, and I'm like that's stupid. If you're constructing this match so that he's the guy that comes out of it looking like this big baby face star, don't have him cut off one of like the, the biggest applause lines in the company. Yeah, like it's you're telling the audience one thing and then showing them another thing. But I in like it still worked. Everyone still came out of this being really into Scorpio Sky. Yeah, the Scorpio Sky looks great. This uh, was this the best Scorpio Sky has ever looked, just in general. As a like pro wrestling star, yes. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, they did botch the finish, which is another one of my problems with this match. The, the, can you hear that rain? <laughs> I can hear that rain. Good God. It suddenly just started pelting rain outside. And I was like, I wonder will that pick up on audio? Uh, but they botched the finish. They went for the powerbomb backstabber, and it was more of a powerbomb kind of dropkick to the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, shit, shit happens, but my problem was... They put it in the replay at the end. Yeah. It's like, guys, guys, no, don't expose these poor people. Just hit the move again. <laughs> like, do something. Don't make it that the finish. Well, at least he did hit him with a power bomb, and you can give Kazarian the out. I guess that he worked over his back the entire time, but that's nah, that doesn't work. No, it was just an unfortunate ending. There was a really nice touch from Excalibur in a series of really nice touches on the show because he's a very good commentator. Where where uh, best friends hit, I don't even remember what the move was, but they hit one of their big double teams. I think it was the Doomsday Knee. And then there was like a bit of hesitation where they were trying to work out who's the legal ban. And, and Excalibur, because it was a near fall, and Excalibur called back to that. It's like, oh, if they worked out who was the legal man quicker, they would have actually won. Yeah, it, it's those kind of like little things in wrestling that really put over matches like and just it, mm-hmm. it puts over skill from people who are not actually in the ring and it's really cool and it's funny like throughout um this show too i think your point from last week where you're talking about the referees having personalities became more prevalent i forget which match it was but one of them were being like very like i'm gonna i'm gonna completely blank what's the female ref's name, who I know is Gail Hebner, but I don't know if that's the name she's using in AEW. Aubrey Edwards. Aubrey Edwards, yes. Like, she's kind of like the strict no-nonsense one. And I really started getting into, like, the referees... Uh, not stereotypes, but the referee gimmicks, I guess. Like, I've started to pick up on it now that you've brought it up. Whereas Rick Knox was, like, a little more well willing to let some, some barbed wire baseball bat and mop <laughs> or I guess broom a broom antics go a little further than they should have whereas Aubrey Edwards yeah Aubrey Edwards was getting in Chris Jericho's face yeah and um how Bryce was kind of like he's a little intimidated by the wrestlers like everyone has like a little thing and I at first I kind of thought like 
you bringing that up was you reading too much into it, but now I think it's becoming quite obvious that, hey, these characters, they are characters on the show as well. Yeah, I, like I, I've long, I've long championed the idea that referees should have traits; they should have characteristics, and I, I really like that idea. Not the the WWE kind of goofy, over the top, you know, you know when when they would do it, they would do it badly, uh, but there's just the idea that they're different. That the one is more uh, gives more leeway, one is stricter, one is willing to let a little more go, that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I, I I'm not sure is that a conscious thing they're doing, but it certainly seems to bleed through into the referees. Yeah, and I like it. It adds a little, a little touch of something different to every aspect of the show. But yeah, SCU against Lucha Bros is definitely the final, right? I mean, it kind of has to be. What if they put the Dark Order? Like, uh, they they can put the Dark Order over FCU at this stage, can they? What if it's the Dark Order versus the Lucha Brothers? That match would not work at all if I, like it's either SEU against Lucha Bros or Dark Order against Private Party it can't it can't be anything else really well Private Party against SEU would kind of work but I think less than either of those other two matches would work I guess in theory you could have the Lucha Bros and SEU both lose in the semis and then do them as a separate tag on full gear maybe mm. I really I could see Private Party continuing like the whole upset streak where they, oh, they upset the Young Bucks, and oh, they upset the Legion Bros, and oh, they upset the team that won their way in through a bye, like, and that's the story that they go through. I could see that, but... I really, I, re- I really don't want to see the Dark Order get to the final. Poor Dark Order. They're trying their best. They had a good AEW Dark match. It was fine. They're like, they're great wrestlers, but the Dark Order shtick is, it's been dead since the second they arrived, and it has at no stage gotten any better. And we will continue to bring it up. <laughs> yes, uh, but that opening match, that opening match is real good. On a show, I think this was the best wrestling show AEW has done. The most consistent wrestling show AEW has ever done. I think last week had uh, higher peaks in terms of like the, the, the hotter angles. Whereas this, this week was probably the best like consistent start to finish wrestling show of AEW Dynamite so far. Yeah, it's it was the most concise and put together wrestling show. Mm. Then we went on to a squash where LAX defeated John Silver and Alex Reynolds. The Beaver Boys. I've never heard of the Beaver Boys other than them seeing them being squashed on other wrestling television shows is, I think, the context in which I know John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, former PWG tag team champions. Sure, definitely. Um, this was the Beyond Wrestling offer match on mm-hmm. the card, as these are both former Beyond Wrestling tag team aces. The disrespect of Beyond Wrestling, that it was a squash match that went two minutes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, yes, there is some disrespect in there, but hey, I wouldn't mind if the Beaver Boys get signed. They're a fun little tag team. AEW does have like such a like they have such a good tag division that the Beaver Boys would be very, very low in the pecking order. Apparently the I I saw pictures, but I don't know how long the actual time period was. The Beaver Boys also worked a SmackDown tag squash like in last month. I thought I saw someone said they did 205, or no, well, yeah, Beyond recently as well, so like Uncharted Territory, Smackdown, and Dynamite in, they're doing a Chris Bay on it. Well, they're on every uh, Uncharted show. Yeah. They're staples still, of the that's, roster. That's three wrestling television, well, tele- one's an internet show, is internet television? No way of knowing. <laughs> well, was Impact a TV show for a while there? Impact was on Pursuit, I'll have you know, Liam, come on. I'm sorry for disrespecting you. In front of all of your Impact fans. 
Uh, LAX won a squash after the match. Chris Jericho appeared on the screen while Ortiz shouted the best over and over again. <laughs> it was again. great. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jericho made the challenge for on, on LAX's behalf to face the Young Boys at Full Gear. So that match is a match that will happen and a match that I have very little doubt will be a very good... Full Gear, those top three matches, there's only three matches announced so far, but boy are they three matches. Yeah, um, I'm super into seeing LAX and the Bucks. I'm really interested to see... I, the obvious play here is you put like LAX over, right? But they also just lost to Private Party. Yeah. Well, AEW AW has a bit of a problem with that, don't they? They're, they have too many stars. But like, if if the Bucks didn't lose to the Lucha Bros and then lose to Private Party, I go, oh, of course the Bucks should lose to LAX. But the Bucks lost those two matches, so the Bucks should probably beat LAX. It's funny. I was watching this match, and I was just thinking, man, LAX are really cool. <laughs> they're they're a cool tag team. <laughs> and then I was thinking, wow, their theme is such a babyface theme, talking about being pride and having being proud and having power and being like upstanding. Is like, man, I don't think this <laughs> this theme suits a like a heel crazy tag team. No, and Ortiz has a very magnetic charisma. Yeah, the man is great. Like you just, they'll have a they'll. I was gonna say they'll have a baby face turn, but I suppose they're attached to the big heel stable, so it probably won't be for a pretty long while. Or perhaps heels and faces are old hat. Well, if you look at John Moxley and Kenny Omega, I think in in this company, like that, that's the case for that program. That's what I was I was insinuating that because of Cody, and now he's like, oh, heels and faces suck. We don't do them. Well, it's- they kind of do though. <laughs> Don't tell him that. I assume you were watching. Were you watching on fight? I was watching on fight. <laughs> Jr. before this match, <laughs> <laughs> not realizing that. Well, forgetting, I suppose that they're live on fight during the breaks. He's like, remember, they're both members of Inner Circle. The Inner Circle is a new term we have to get over. It's like, oh, thanks, Jr. Thanks for telling us. And then he's like, oh, Jr.'s had too much coffee. <laughs> Definitely coffee. <laughs> but it's it's funny you're you're very right on the whole one week on one week off because I think JL was really good this week. Yeah, he was he was back to being a really good solid announcer that only kind of he called the the box and Kenny tagged the main event once or twice and I was like that it's not the main event Jim. There's another match coming. <laughs> For the world title, Jim. Yeah, there was a period during the break where he called it the main event again and Excalibur was like, yeah, that tag match was a main event anywhere in the world, but we still have a world title match coming up. I love Excalibur and I love JR and I love their interactions. I love to. I think I think it's a really good announced team. I love Tony as well. Tony is there to make me feel like all warm and fuzzy and nostalgic inside. When he was hosting Dark, there's a period where he's like, "Look at this tag match we have coming up on AEW Dynamite, gang." And the way he said "gang" made me feel all like included and happy, and uh, it filled the hole in my heart. The saying is that AEW is the inclusive wrestling show, or Tony Schiavone at least is the inclusive announcer. Damn, that's a whole new level that I didn't expect to dive into. We got a a video package for Cody and Chris Jericho. It was a pretty solid Cody hype package. Basically, he is very determined to win the world title. Very road to, very good stuff. I want more of this stuff. More of these kind of style promos. And just, like, promos in general, I think. Because uh, th- uh, I think they're so reluctant to do backstage stuff, which I kind of get. They want pretty much everything to happen in front of the cameras, in front of the crowd, live. 
that I, I think it does take some promos out of it. They, they inserted a John Moxley inset promo later in the show. It was fine. It wasn't like a particularly memorable promo. But more like John Moxley and Chris Jericho talking. I think that's important to the show. No, John Moxley and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and Cody have all these guys who can talk really well talk. AEW Women's Championship. Uh, Rio defended the title against Britt Baker in a match that was... I think shockingly good considering Britt Baker was fairly bad in this match. (laughs) Maybe she had to think about all the dentistry she was planning on doing later. Perhaps she did. She is, in fact, uh, the audience may not know that she is a dentist. If they don't, they're in Pittsburgh next week, or as they say, Britsburg. Britsburg. If they do not do something with her at her dental practice, what's even the point of going to Pittsburgh? If they don't have a match with her and Bay in the dentistry office, what is the point of going to Britsburg? I hope uh, I hope Bay does a puts on some kind of um, mask or disguise, goes in to to get dental surgery, then pulls off the mask just as it's and reverses the anesthetic onto Britt Baker and then beats the heck out of her. Wow, where did you think of this? W would actually do that angle. <laughs> Let's be real, Debbie has definitely done that angle and we just forgot because they had to do so many. Yeah. Isaac Yankum probably did it. We're just going to shout out Isaac Yankum every week. Yeah, big shout outs to Kane. Yeah, crowd were super duper into this match, like like stunningly yeah. into this match. This is like when I was talking about how mid-card acts are starting to get like a response on the level of some of the other people. Like Riho, her name is a kit, there was an audible, like there was a pop. Mm. And there hasn't been always for these kind of acts. So, yeah, I'm really into, like, the mid-card getting over. And, like, Britt Baker, as I said, not a good night for her, but the crowd were really into Rio and literally everything Rio did. And, like, there was some honest-to-goodness great near-falls where I was like, oh, God, are they actually going to just suddenly put the belt onto Britt? Is this this their plan all along to get the belt onto their ace, Britt Baker? But no, they just had a good, solid, shockingly good title match considering, again, half the match was actually really actively bad. I mean, considering it was a one-woman show completely. It was very much. I like. I kind of feel bad for Bella, dude. Like, Brit has been... It hasn't been a great showing for her in AEW so far. And, like, she, she's supposed to be the ace. She's, like, the, the female face of the brand at one stage. She was the person that did all the media, the person that brought all the events. And, it, I don't know, it, it hasn't been a great first, I don't know, seven shows or however many AEW shows have been at this stage. Who could possibly know? Maybe people who were prepared. <laughs> oh, come on. Who, you'd have to learn how to count then, and I'm too stupid for that. Oh, what's the point? We'll never use it in real life. The final first round match of the AW World Tag Team Title Tournament, the Wait, Lucha Bros. I, just wanted to, I wanted to bring up how great the finish to that match was with the roll-up. I, ordered, like, I jumped out of my chair. I was like, yes! And I exclaimed, what a finish. And it's like, especially because like, she, she did her, her whatever... It's it's called the lockjaw, but is it the lockjaw before she puts the hand in the mouth? Who could possibly? I I, I don't know. But yeah, she was and teasing, putting the hand in the mouth, it. and it's like, yes. oh, and she's gonna get her big move. She's gonna put the hand in the mouth, but no, got her in a roll up. It was really nice. Like uh, that was a great finish. Rio's great. I like Rio's finish, basically being an assortment of roll ups as well, or like strikes into quick pins. Yeah, I, I like. So I know Brian Danielson used to do the small package gimmick, but so, like someone's someone's finish being like flash pins is like the, the the should be in theory like the easiest thing in the world because anytime you snatch a, a flash pin, people will buy it as an earfall. Yeah, and it works. 
as we've seen, as we saw in the Nyla match. Uh, the Lucha Bros beat Jurassic Express in a match I really liked. I thought that was this was a good match. Lucha Bros looked great. Marco stunt looked great. It like in theory, I agree with the argument. Like if you said. Marco Stunt went to a two-segment match with the Lucha Bros. Should that happen? I'd probably say before the show, no. But in practice, I didn't mind. People are getting very mad about Marco Stunt in this match, Liam. Are you mad about Marco Stunt? I'm not mad about Marco Stunt. I don't particularly enjoy Marco Stunt that much. But, like, whenever he does these cool little flippy-doos, I go, wow, look at that guy doing little flippy-doos. Yeah, and then, uh, then, then Penta broke his arm. <laughs> That's it. Mm. Yeah, um... I, I don't really have any opinions on this match, except that, like, Lucha Brothers working straight up heel is better. Mm. And I think and that if you're, like, looking at the AEW tag team roster at the moment, you're like, who is the big heel team here at the moment? It's the Dark Order, and I don't think anybody wants that. Lucha Bros, much better alternative. I guess LAX yeah. as well, but they're in the stable. <laughs> Did you manage to catch Pentagon Jr. calling Marco stunt Babysaurus? Yes, if, 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 you, if the poor people watching on TNT didn't see the, the amazing uh, pre-match banter between the Lucha Bros and Jurassic Express where Penta called him Luchasaurus, then Phoenix was going to say something, waited an age, and then Aubrey Edwards pulled forcibly the microphone out of his hand. Once again, working to her character. <laughs> yeah, she's like, look, the match is starting in 20 seconds. You'd have time to say anything. Get back in the ring. So, what are your thoughts on Luchasaurus being out, possibly for an extended period of time? Yeah, it's it, 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 it was reported yesterday it was a hamstring injury. Further details suggested it was a hamstring tear, which is probably less than ideal. He's going to be out for a while. I think it hurts this act a lot, but Jungle Boy and Stunt as a long-term tag team is much less compelling to me than Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So I probably, if I were them, I'd pivot to Jungle Boy doing singles with Stunt as his manager, maybe, for a while? Stunt as his crash test dummy. Yeah, basically as a guy to get thrown around the ringside. Yeah, I I think they'll be missed. I was very much looking forward to the Lucha, Lucha Bros against Jurassic Express, and it's a bummer he got hurt. I was very much looking forward to Luchasaurus breaking out as a single star eventually. Mm. But maybe this is what'll be the key, yeah. Jungle Jack Perry, as JR insists on always calling him. He's like, you will he will make sure you know he is the son of Jack Perry or, or Luke Perry. They really need to like sit him down and or sit Jungle Boy down and say, just decide on your name. I do like JR. He's just like his name is Jungle Boy. His name of the show is Jungle Boy. JR is like, listen, he's famous. I'm gonna call him Jungle Jack Perry no matter what. Speaking of famous what do you, what are we moving on to? <laughs> uh, the famous wrestling superstar John Moxley. Sure, that takes us to what I thought was again a really good tag team match on on a show of really good tag team matches because the last match was a fun match, the opener was a really good match, and this was probably the best of the three tag team matches. Pack and John Moxley lost to Hangman Page and Kenny Omega when John Moxley turned on Pack in and in shocking order, and Hangman Page got a much needed win over Pack in a. Well, I thought this was like if you watch a New Japan show and you're watching a Road to Tag to lead to singles matches, this was that, and it was real good. I really liked this match. This was like kind of... When I was watching, I was just like, this is an all-star tag match. And I was just getting really into it. It was like, big stars. Paige felt like a big deal when he was in there with these guys. Yeah, just... I loved it all together. I loved... I really surprisingly loved Mox and Puck's chemistry as a team together. Mm. I thought they suited each other really well, just with like Mox's mannerisms and Puck's 
general unhappiness towards the world. I thought they mixed really well as a team, and I was like, yeah, they could actually do something. With- oh, nope, he's turned on him. Because you know, we were speculating last week based on that segment, could they possibly go down the route of some kind of Mox and Pack alliance long-term, some kind of stable or team? And the answer is no. No, because we got announced for next week. John Moxley will take on Pack in a match. I'm very interested to see what they do with that match because probably neither man should lose. Will they take a cheap way out, Liam? Well, no, they promised they never would. Um, also, that'll be the first non-Chris Jericho main event for AEW Dynamite. It will probably, looking at the lineup, be the first non-Chris Jericho featured wrestling show. He won't be wrestling on the show, is what I'm saying. Uh, four weeks in. Like, I was, I'm very surprised. Not only has he wrestled on all three shows, as you said, he's main evented all three shows, which has honestly surprised me. And by the looks of it next week, unless he's suddenly put into the Young Bucks match, or he's the one wrestling Britt Baker, he's probably not going to be on the show next week. Or at least not in a wrestling capacity. Yeah, um, he'll definitely be there talking and putting people over. Mm. But um, when the entrances were going on, I thought it was really interesting uh, that Pittsburgh was... Wait, not Pittsburgh. Where were we today? We were in Philadelphia today. In Philadelphia. It was like the first town where Kenny kind of came out as that star. Mm. Like, wait, his music here, he got the, like, the monster reaction. And I haven't really felt Kenny as like the big superstar, really since, like, the events before Dynamite started. So this is the first time I was like, wow, the Dynamite crowd was, like, fucking really into Kenny Omega. Well, this is the first time Kenny has come out to his entrance music on Dynamite. Is it? <laughs> yeah, because he came out to the Elite music for the, the Six Man uh, on week one, and he came out to No Music to face down with John Moxley last week. So this is the... Obviously, he was on Dark against Joey Danelli. He came out to his music then. But this is the first time Kenny Omega has made a singles entrance on Dynamite. So that's probably why he felt like a star for the first time. Well, there you go. Fun fact. Doing your entrances makes you feel like a star. It does. Uh, really good match, as I said. Uh, do they do Pack and Hangman Page again at Full Gear? I don't know if you do that at Full Gear. I think you probably uh, go with the Page-Hagar route. Hmm. But they did nothing to build back toward Page and Hagar here. They they really like they've teased they teased him facing Dustin Rhodes in the first week. They teased him facing uh, Hangman Page last week, and you could probably pivot to Hagar against Darby Allen this week. So Hagar is a, a whole series of opponents he could potentially face. I'd like to see him wrestle at some point. <laughs> I, I, I I thought they'd give him a squash eventually. Uh, I, I assume they will surely. I mean, maybe that'll be next week. <laughs> Well, they, do, they have, what, they have five matches announced for next week? The two tag matches, Young Bucks, Britt Baker, and then Pac and Moxley. I guess they had six matches as well this week, so it could, they yeah, could well do. They had an, and they had an unannounced squash, so... Which was the first unannounced match in AEW Dynamite history as well. I was so happy. I, I like not knowing things on cards. I'm the exact opposite, because the idea that these guys would be going into a fight without knowing they're in a fight the night of the fight is stupid. No, they know that they're in the fight. We don't know that they're in the fight. But, like, I guess this is more a WWE problem where people, like, matches are made literally on the fly constantly. And, like, that should be the exception. It should not be the case that these people do not know what they're doing at the start of each show. Imagine an MMA fight where it's like, you're fighting this guy right now. It's dumb. Yeah, I agree, but that's not what I'm asking for. (laughs) Yes, it is. Stop asking for dumb things. (laughs) No, I just want matches that are unannounced to the audience to show up on the show. Maybe not eight of them, but... 
that takes us to our main event for the AEW World Championship in a Philadelphia street fight in which there are rope breaks, as Excalibur, in fairness, made clear before the match, but the audience did not really care for. But uh, Chris Jericho retained the AEW Championship against Darby Allin in a match in which Darby Allin had a top-quality world title match, literally with his hands tied behind his back. Yeah, we, that we got, that's a classic Darby like big match spot that he does, and it's really cool every time because it looks like he dies every time. Yeah, he he wrestled the last I don't know five or five plus minutes of this match with his hands behind his back, doing like everything Darby Allen does in terms of dives and springboard moonsaults and attempted coffin drops. And it's like people talk about their broomstick match. This guy, he's wrestling Chris Jericho, obviously, but this guy had like a, a better match than anything on NXT with his hands tied behind his back. <laughs> yeah, Darby's great. I think we all know that Darby's great. And I actually feel like for the people who aren't in the wrestling niche as much as myself or you, uh, I feel like this would be the match and the performance that will be like, wow, this Darby guy, he's a guy that I need to support. He's a guy that I need to go buy merch for. I think they really made it, uh, they did a good job of making him into a star in this match. Yeah, we're three weeks into AEWTV and Darby Allen is a bigger star than he has ever been. And he's lost to Chris Jericho. But why didn't he stay at Evolve? Uh, Gabe could have had him on the NXT B team. He might have had an enhancement match on NXT, Liam. You never know. Ooh, him and Austin Theory killing it in the Largo loop. I will say, I think AEW is a bit of a finish problem. Mm -hmm. I think they get too cute for their own good too often. Here, I, I really don't think Hager needed to interfere. I think he did, like, Darby should have just missed the coffin drop and hit with a Judas effect and been pinned. Uh, if you look at the tag main event tag match last night, I really don't think Hager needed to interfere there either. I think Chris Jericho could have pinned Dustin Rhodes clean as a sheet. Uh, the first week on freaking Dynamite, I don't think Pac needed to hit the uh, Hangman Page with a low blow to beat him there. They turned the main event of that show into a handicap match. The Mod Moxley walked out on Pac on this show. They have it, it, in isolated incidents. I don't have any problem with any of these. But it's kind of a reoccurring trend of them getting too cute for their own good with finishes. Yeah, I get that. Like, I understand that. But with the Hager stuff specifically, I think it's just because they're trying to establish that Jericho's going to take any way out he can, even if he doesn't necessarily need it. I think Jericho would have won those matches regardless, even in, like, you know, even if Hager hadn't have interfered, but they felt like they want to establish the group, to, or the pairing at least, just have so, him beat people up. Just have him wrestle. <laughs> I did. I am disappointed that we didn't get Hager like hitting the Doctor Bomb on Darby like with him with his arms behind his back. I really thought we were gonna get that spot. That would have been a hell of a visual. They did drink a little bit of bubbly, a little bit of the bubbly after the match, though, Liam. Did that? Did a that... bit of the bubble. And I, I clearly don't have the coherence of Chris Jericho, even though he was drinking the bubbly. A little bit of the bubbly. There you go. I, I do like they broke up the bubbly and it like got an audible pop. Yeah, the, the crowd's into it. They know. I th I think like as I said last week had higher highs. I think the first half hour, the last half hour of last week was a everything on those parts of last week's show was better than every, than anything on this week's show. But I think top to bottom, this was probably my favorite episode of AW. Yeah, I'd agree. Like this was such an easy watch from start to finish. Where there's like four honest to goodness good matches, maybe five. I can't even count. Yeah, f five good matches. Yeah, five good matches and a good squash. 
and easy to watch. Darby's a bigger star. A good match built for the pay-per-view in the Young Bucks against LAX. I'm going to call them LAX, by the way, until they have a team name. I'm not going to call them Inner Circle because that's confusing. And they don't have a team name. I'm not just going to say Santana and Ortiz. So I'm not being ordinary and sticking to the TNA name, Liam. I'm just going to call them LAX until they have a tag team name. I will also probably call them LAX for a while. That being said, now that Jim Ross wants to buy a Pride and Powerful... A Pride and... A proud and powerful shirt. I want to buy one as well. Uh, can you do some kind of pride and prejudice, uh, proud and powerful play? <laughs> I don't even know if I could say all of those P words in a row. There is far too many. That is AW Dynamite. Another good show. It's a good television show. I'd like, you know, it's uh, people are like, oh, the next test is can they do a TV show? And like, the answer is, yeah, they can. And they can do it well. And that brings us to NXT. Liam... I don't understand NXT. <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching NXT this week. I actively dislike the show. I think this is far and away, like, f- f- far and away the worst episode of NXT so far. And I-, I think part of it is, like, they're getting their ass kicked. And then they're, like, doing these boring, sleepy shows with... Like, this show didn't even have the good wrestling. I thought one match on this show was good. I liked Imperium against Danny Birch and uh, Oni Lorcan. I thought that was a really fun tag match. And the rest of the show was like, bleh, as I fell asleep during multiple squash matches. There was like four of them. Five squash matches even on this show. There was as many squash matches on the show as there were good wrestling matches on AEW. Yeah, I... I don't, I'm not sure if this card needed to be an eight-match card for a two-hour TV slot, mm. but... I I gotta disagree with you with the fact that I liked if I'm looking at my notes here one two three four I liked four matches on this on this show a lot so I'm very pro NXT on this one. Tommaso Ciampa defeated Angel Garza in a perfectly fine squash. He's back. Um, yeah, that's about it. Ciampa won. <laughs> I thought this was a really good return match for Ciampa. The first thing I noticed when Ciampa came back was how he comes across as different and on a different level to, like, anyone else on this show. And it's going to be interesting to see if that's just because he's returning from an injury or if that's some sort of star power that they can help, that they can continue to build upon throughout the show. So you were saying you're very happy to see him beat up Angel Garza's pants. Yeah. (laughs) He's a wacky guy. He sure is. Champa said, Daddy's home. He wants Goldie on lock, said... Mauro Ronaldo. I don't even know what that means. I think it's a Goldilocks reference of some sort, but ah, uh... <laughs> I don't There's even one know. One real good one, and I really hope you got it because we didn't discuss them like we normally do. There's a chance, like, uh, like there's so many of them that there's a chance I like. Th- I think my ears have started numbing them because, like, someone pointed out some more of them. I I thought I got them all last week, and there was a lot of them last week. And then people were like, "Oh, you missed this one," and it was like worse than pretty much any of the ones I actually mentioned. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm. But yeah, perfectly fine. Because it's a champ of one. Uh, after the match, undisputed ear came out and gave a USB drive tomorrow. <laughs> A USB drive containing an actual murder. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, us frat bros beat up Velveteen Dream. It's not a hate crime. <laughs> don't, 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 don't question it. It's fine. Do you buy Undisputed Era as a group of tough guys? I, I buy them as frat bros, and frat bros can be like, they have strength in numbers. Yeah, but I, I, like... 
I don't buy any of them as like, oh, look at these, look at this group of tough guys that are going to beat everyone up. I They see them more as like, look at these jokesters that are going to help each other win. Look yeah, at them try. I, I think the show is meant, I, I think they're intended for you to see them as kind of like goofs. Like, just look at Kyle O'Reilly doing his Kyle O'Reilly stuff, and it's like, he's a dope. Yeah. But then they go and they murder a man backstage, so. Yeah. Poor Dream. Dream over. I do like that they just deliver a USB drive tomorrow. It's like, we beat the shit out of this guy, here's the evidence. I thought they were going to hand him something to read. <laughs> I was very yeah. confused by what was going on. I thought he was like going to unravel a scroll to handle to hand tomorrow. It's like, oh, this is a, 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 a an address from Undisputed Era. I did find it interesting that there was um, no mention of Roderick Strong's little schlonger on no. this show. What was they, with Roderick did... Strong's t-shirt? He ripped it, and I thought it was like he had Velveteen Dream's glasses on or something at one point. So, like, I don't know if that was like a... He's trying to, like, dress like Velveteen Dream? Yeah, and he left it like that for the entire show. It's like, like kind of ripped down at a weird angle in his chest. It's like, is this a choice? Is this a thing you're going for, Strong? Is it meant to sell that, like, Velveteen Dream fought back? Maybe it is. And, like, ripped his shirt or something? He didn't fight back very much then, did he? Well, he was put through a stack of cardboard boxes. What do you want from him? Could Roderick Strong not find another... What well, I see was known as T-shirt. I wasn't paying that much attention. Nah, because they were sold out. Whoa, they're very popular. <laughs> I hope you know I threw up the pose while I was doing that. I am deeply disgusted by you in every way. Speaking of being dis- deeply disgusted in every way... Johnny Gargano? <laughs> oh no, we're skipping over the tag match. No, the Johnny Gargano video package came first, didn't it? No, because I have... I In my notes, I have the tag match, and then I have Johnny Gargano is not cool after the tag match. Alright, we'll do the tag match. Tag match was the best thing on the show. This tag match was great. Yeah, I like this tag match a lot. Do we have anything else to say <laughs> about the tag match? Um, I think it's interesting that uh, Lorcan and Birch have been on all the shows so far. They're kind of utility jobbers. Well, that's sad. I was going to give him credit for booking them on every show, but then you just took like, them down quick. It's weird. Like they won on two hundred five. They're they're all they're they're built up to be knocked down by someone they're actually pushing. That's that's only in Birch's role on this show, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'm glad that Eichner and Barthel are both sticking around because I enjoyed their tag matches and their act. I also think it's really funny that Fake Ring Calf does a bunch of flips. Yeah, with double springboard moonsaults. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. I also like that the Imperium video always has like the, the names of the people who are actually there. Like Walter was not listed uh, on the entrance video while they were doing their standy pose on the on the ramp. Yeah, it's it's real cool. I, I actually, as much as like we make jokes about it being fake ring camp, I do like the whole Imperium shtick. Ring camp is great. So if you do fake ring camp, it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, actually, and I like like their little names that they have under the logo on all their tights mm. like there's good u- uniformity to it's a, it's, imperium it's a, it's a good act that's what we're trying to say it's a good act uh johnny gargano he's what a dork what's johnny gargano's haircut because it's like long on the sides but also short i don't understand it it's all of his hair is being pushed forward yeah it's, it's, it's a strange head of hair that that man has he's he's had a strangely small role on the USA show so far. 
Mm. And they, but they've teased something with Champa. Aren't you excited for the revival of that? Well, it's got, it's going to be the Gargano revival Ciampa. of that. It's uh. going to, it's going to be <laughs> Gargano and Champa against the Undisputed Era, which should be pretty fun, I guess. But like Gargano has been a total, like he had the match with Shane Thorne, and then he had about a minute on this show, a quick promo and a video package, and that's that's about it. On what are we five weeks of NXT so far? Yeah, he's he's not being played up as the ace that he was. I it's funny, like I realized watching this promo that anyone who cuts the rah rah I love this company speech, mm. I just think is the biggest dork in the world. Like you're not cool if you're like I love the place I work at. And it's it's worse that I think that's a broader trend in NXT where they're so desperate to make you think they're a good, honest alternative by telling you. And they tell you over and over again. And they're like, oh, I love this place. I love NXT. I love, we're the alternative. We're the, the wrestling you need to watch. And then... No like, BS. You you hear literally none of that on AEW television. AEW is, is just busy being the alternative. Heard of like marketing speak and interviews and all that. You know, work away. You're, you're plugging to the masses at that stage. But watch the television show. JR is not like, this is the new wrestling alternative. It's like, this is just our wrestling show. It is the new wrestling alternative. We don't need to tell you. Yeah. It's, they live in the moment of it all. They don't actually, they're, they're, they're busy showing you. They're not busy telling you. Hmm. Io Shirai defeated Kate Carter in a squash match. It was it was a squash match. Good German suplex. There was a German suplex in this match. It looked like she dropped it right in her head. It's great. Yeah, Io Shirai is really cool. And I actually made note that I think Carter's probably going to end up being a pretty popular talent. Mm. I don't know why, but I just got the impression that like she's going to be one of these uh, talents that you look back in a car. They were in squash matches once. They should they should tie her into the Carter family. Daughter of Dixie. Closet. I didn't even... When you said that, I that was not the Carter family I thought you were talking about. What Carter family is there? Uh, I don't know. But it wasn't that one I wasn't thinking of. Yeah, she's the daughter of Dixie and cousin of EC3. There you go. Is EC3 even employed? He's technically still there. Though I guess he's never been a Carter in WWE. He's just been EC3. The man has been <laughs> reduced to an acronym. You don't know what the C stands for. It could stand for anything. It, stand, uh, it could stand for creative. After the match, Io uh, was like, hey, title shot. But then Rhea Ripley was like, no, title shot. Yep. Which, and then Boa. Yeah, Boa's backstage, cutting a promo in Chinese. I kind of like Boa. I, li- I like Boa too. I'm like, I want, got- I want more Boa. Boa's charming. Boa's got some, like, chutzpah to him. Yeah, he's he's like that earnest baby face energy to him that just makes him inherently likable. Yeah. Of course, he was cutting a promo in Chinese here. Subtitles promo. What are you doing? The crowd was getting very like annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I I I, I get it. I, I have no problem with him, but I'm cutting pros in Chinese. But subtitle the damn thing. Yeah, I want to know what Boa's motives are. Yeah, what what does Boa have to say? Why does he want to face Killian Dane? Well, we know why he beat him up, but I want to hear it from Boa. I want to hear Boa's point of view. William Regal very somberly announced that the winner of Dom- Dominic Dijakovic. <laughs> and versus Keith Lee will face Roderick Strong next week which led us into that match which I was like I want something new from this match and the new thing was boring arm work Liam and then an interference finish that's the new thing they gave us in this match yeah can we go back to the first two matches that I actually liked uh, was this not one of the matches you liked oh you liked the Eero squash was it no I meant like uh, 
Keith Lee and Donovan Dijak, like their series. I really liked the first two matches in the series, and the last two, I'm just like, meh. Yeah, like, traditionally, these these guys, I, I said last week when I was giving out about this match that I was 100% certain they'd have a good match. And then they didn't even have a good match. This match was very boring. And, like, I was shocked at how little the crowd cared about this. Actually, no, I wasn't. Because the entire build of this match has given the crowd no reason to care about this match or who wins. But it was very noticeable that the crowd did not care about this match until the two two times they did something cool. And other than yeah. that, it was just a... Like, the Keith Lee did a Poison Rana, and that was objectively cool. And then the rest <laughs> of this match was just, like, ugh, boring. Like, I got... I don't have a lot to say about the match, personally. But I do like, from a booking perspective, that they gave them something to fight for in the last one, even if it was for nothing? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, well, we give you something to fight for two minutes before the match, and then it doesn't even end in a result. You both get it. G- congratulations. To be fair, like, with Roddy in that match, that match is probably going to be real good. I guess. Uh, Roddy will at least add another layer to their match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, War Games is next for NXT, isn't it? Yes. We so, were talking about maybe an Imperium thing in War Games a couple yeah. weeks back. Uh, maybe Gargano Ciampa die Djakovic and Lee against Undisputed Era? Ooh. <laughs> you don't seem enthused by the idea. Uh, I actually haven't seen the other War Games show. I've seen the first one. Mm. Or Ricochet so did a double moonsault off a cage. It was rather impressive. I've, yes, I've seen him do that before. It is quite impressive. All right, Mister, I'm cool hipster guy that watches Listen, wrestling. I'm just saying, I've seen most of this show before. <laughs> that is a bit of a problem with this show. But you know what I haven't seen before? Go on. Bronson Reed versus Matt Riddle. And you barely saw it because it was a Matt Riddle squash match, wrestled a million miles an hour. But I really liked it. It was fine. I'm like It if, was just them beating the shit out of each other. It was great. Yeah, but if it was like the only them the only like squash match on the show, I'd be like, ooh, this is fun. But it was the fifth. Well the fourth. There was another one to come. Yeah, but it was really good. It was fine. He hit him with a cool what cradle tombstone. Does he have a name for that? Uh, the Brotan? Uh, we'll stick with Cradle Tombstone. He hit a cool cradle tombstone for the finish, but other than that, this is fine. Well, I like fast-paced squash matches more so than the slow-paced squash matches. I'm, I'm, I'm not a squash match guy. I think squash matches are bad. And people are always like, well, bring back squash matches. And I'm like, yeah, like one every five weeks. I think you can have one a show. Like, I, that's why I've been kind of wanting them in, in uh, AEW. Just because I want to start, you got to start establishing these killers. And that's why I was happy that LAX did it. Even though I don't think that match really established them as killers, but... No, they just... Yeah, that was a... It was fine. It was fine. All these matches are fine. You know who isn't fine? Who isn't fine? Kushida's... Because his hand is hurt. It's... Like, every week after NXT, there's a video that goes up, a WWE Now video that goes up where they're like, here's all the people that got hurt on NXT. And it's like... It's a weird thing to point out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, every every single week, there's like, here's four people that got injured on our television show and won't be wrestling for a month. Yeah, like, I, it's a weird thing to bring to your audience's attention that, hey, our guys get hurt. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, right, we want to go for the sports feel. What do sports do? Oh, well, they report injuries in time, comeback times. Uh, that's our sports thing. 
I love sports. Sports. Uh, oh, yeah, we, we have some... I forgot about uh, quotes from... <laughs> oh, here we quotes. go. Rattle them. <laughs> Only Lorkin, the man who tweets in uppercase, throwing a series of uppercuts. Uh... These two have been going at it like the Clegane brothers. Liam, that's a Game of Thrones reference. I didn't get that reference. I was trying to work out... I was like, is it an MMA thing? <laughs> Clegane brothers. There's the Clegane, Clegane bull from uh, Game of Thrones. I would, I, I would go deeper in which is... Uh, the mountain, and which is the hound, but you don't know who those people are, so there's really no point. I know who the mountain is. <laughs> Fine. He's a, he's a big man. Uh, forget about moves like Jagger. Lee, Lee moves like Bruce Lee. That one sucks. <laughs> they all suck. Did you manage to catch the, the Joker reference? That one was really just forced in. He's like, we're at Full Sail University, which is, uh, Joaquin Phoenix lives near here. We're on NXT. <laughs> as soon as they he started mentioning a Joker thing, I was like, no, 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 I no, was, no. I was, ver- I was very, very worried. That, but then he basically just said nothing. Then I was, Thank God. Then I was disappointed. Mario, you disappointed me with your pop culture <laughs> reference. You didn't make it cringy enough. Yeah, you, we, we, if it's not worth reading on the podcast, it wasn't worth saying, Mario. <sighs> a home, that was a home run, like ready to go. And you whiffed it. These are sports references. Two superstars bigger than stacked exponentials, and the stakes have grown exponentially. I think that's a math one. Mm, not my favorite. Uh, and then, oh yeah, Bronson Reed wants to wear Matt Riddle down like tooth enamel, and he's <gasps> ready to sink his teeth into NXT. <laughs> is, that, <gasps> is that the one that upset you most? <laughs> I hate that one so bad. <laughs> Oh. I'm pretty sure there's one that happened in the Tegan Knox match that happened that I hated more, so I'm hoping you got that one. I have one from the Tegan Knox match. Let's see. Let's let's screw screw the match itself. Tegan Knox returned. She won the match. Mauro quotes. Yes. <laughs> Tenara is looking to ruin Tegan Knox's return. She's looking to make Knox's first match. Uh, make sure Knox's first match back isn't going to be a day in Copacabana Beach. And what's important about that one is then. Tainara was given her ring entrance, and after the war, after that, he turned to Beth and like, "Get it, Beth? It's a, it's a Copacab- it's a Rio de Janeiro reference." <laughs> and Beth was like, "Very good, Mauro." <laughs> there was one point where Beth was trying to make a point for like ten seconds straight, where Mauro just kept talking over her. <laughs> um, when Tegan knocks one, he said, "Tegan knocks it out of the park." Yeah, I, that one I didn't like. I don't like a lot of these. Uh, no. Uh, Tegan Ox returning from d- double injury. That, that that woman has been desperately unlucky. And uh, hopefully she'll be less unlucky when she comes. She won the squash match. It's a nice story. But the, the match was fine. There was nothing particularly notable to the match itself other than Tegan Ox making her return. I thought she looked great. Yeah. She like, did. She moved like someone who doesn't have paper clips for knees. Yes. <laughs> so that's a good sign. That is usually a good sign. Um, then Shayna Baszler and company came out and taunted her. There's a lot of people coming for Shayna Baszler at the moment. Do you think maybe there'll be a War Games match? That, th- th- there could be. I'm not sure who would be on the other team, because I think all of those people would hate each other, but sure. That, but how will they get along? That's a good WWE story. How can they coexist? Uh, we have Rhea Ripley against um, Bianca Belair next week. That's Is that officially a number one contenders match? 
No, it didn't have any uh, number one contender noting on the graphic. So there could still be further number one contendership matches after that. They might go into Rhea Ripley against Io Shirai after that, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, Let's find I, out. I thought they were going to announce, like, that's going to be one match, and then they're going to do Io Shirai versus Tegan on the other match, and then they're going to do, like, a mini tournament bracket. But alas, we did not get that. No, we just have lots of people coming for title shots. Finn Balor! What's, what's he up to? He was on the show for 52 seconds. Main roster star. I don't get it. I don't get it. You're getting your ass handed to you. You're literally being destroyed by freaking AEW every single week. And you come out there with Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, two of your biggest stars, and they're doing nothing on this show. I don't understand. And, like, you... They advertised this at the start of the show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Finn Balor's gonna speak. And I was like, oh, they're gonna do, like, another in-ring segment with him. <laughs> nope. nope. Just the vignette. He's just gonna talk for 52 seconds about returning to NXT, and that's it. I'll be very upset if he makes his in-ring return, like, next week, and they don't advertise it. Uh, they, well, he said he's... They're, they're, they're doing... He, I think they've said he's returning next week. He said he's gonna be there next week. Whether he's wrestling or not, I assume he's wrestling. Well, you know, we haven't actually talked about this, but what are the big, like, Finn Balor NXT dream matches? Well, you have John Boy. That's a fun match. Him and John Boy. Him and Champa? Yeah, him and Adam Cole in a big Bullet Club off. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But, like, I don't know, who else, who is there, like, that isn't the immediate star power for Finn Balor to wrestle? I don't know, like, him against Matt Riddle? That would be a really cool match. Him against... Cameron Grimes. Him against Pete Dunne. Him against Boa. But Boa, that's a dream match. They should do that match. Push Boa. Don't constrict Boa. Yeah. Speaking of Boa, he lost to Killian Dane in three minutes. It was a squash, basically. Poor Boa. Poor Boa. He got his ass kicked last week, and he's coming out for revenge, and he just gets his ass kicked again. Oh, man, I kind of like Boa a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's really likable. I think you look at Boa's face and his cool gear, and he's like, yeah, you go, Boa. You should beat, beat, put the belt on Boa. Honestly, maybe. <laughs> if they pushed Boa, I'd like the show. If Boa beat Killian Dane, I'd like the show a lot more. <laughs> if Boa beat Killian Dane, I would have flipped. <laughs> I think that's the problem with all of these squash matches is like fair enough they're squash matches but like they all the results feel inevitable it's like Killian Day of course he's gonna beat Boa poor Boa NXT kind of feels like a show that has no consequence no I I, I was tweeting about this last week I think the, one of the most important things wrestling shows need is a destination TNA when they cut from 12 pay-per-views to th- 4 pay-per-views to 3 I think to eventually 2 one year they only had 2 pay-per-views that's, I think that's an underrated factor in people just giving up on the company. Because people just tune out TV. TV's not that important. You need somewhere to build to, a point to work toward, and NXT hasn't had that. Like, we can watch AEW and talk about where the tag title tournament is going, and talk about whether or not all these uh, Jake Hager attacks are building the matches at full gear. Because, like, we have a reference point to, build, to, to, to put what we're watching into a broader context. And I think wrestling shows desperately need that broader context. And whenever something happens between Chris Jericho and Cody, it's built to full gear. Whenever something happens, between Kenny Omega and John Moxley, it's built to full gear. It feels meaningful. Whereas, like, Damien Priest and Pete Dunne had a good main event here, but who cares who won? It's not going anywhere. Yeah. 
I get it, and I I get that the whole booking because it, it's booking week to week is what they're doing. Here. They're not like it doesn't feel like they have long term plans. Like we, like to, to your point, we don't even know what Adam Cole's like next challenger is. The world champion, when we don't like, we have an idea of who it could be, but like they haven't actually set anything up. We don't know if he's even going to have a next challenge on the next takeover because it could be War Games. Yeah, it's just like that's it's a like it is a real problem watching the show because it, it makes things just feel meaningless. It, you watch Killian Dane beat Boa, and you're like, where is it going? And they 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 hint at where it's going after the match, but is it going to like it? Des- where what's the destination? Is the destination just next week on NXT? Is that where Pete Dunne against Killian Dane is going to happen? That's literally what they did with the Damian Priest feud. Exactly. Is that is that feud now over after two weeks? Like it's it feels it feels meaningless. It feels disjointed. It feels segmented in a way that's not satisfying. No, none of these segments or matches have a lot of gravity to them. No. Everything is just kind of there for the sake of being there and having content. It feels like. And then maybe building to something next week, but then that won't really have relevance to something that happens the week after. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to our main event, Damien Priest against Pete Dunne. In a match I liked, but I kind of got numb to toward the end. I like this match a lot. <laughs> like, it, was, it was a good match. Uh, before the match, as I said, Pete Dunne just nonchalantly snapped the fingers of Killian Dane to be a jerk. I thought, I thought Pete Dunne's the baby face. Why did he snap the fingers of this innocent man? Because well, he was talking mad shit, bruv. Alright, uh, Damien Priest won with a low blow, which prompted the worst line in the history of NXT. The Archer of Infinity just found the ball's eye. <laughs> Mauro, that was not meant to be a comedy spot. Stop using it to set up dumb punchlines. He said ball's eye twice. He's like, you didn't hear it the first time? Ugh. I really like this match because it was just PWG nonsense. I couldn't tell you a single exchange from the match, but I still liked it, and it's going to go on my notebook. <laughs> that, that, I think that, that I, I, I was talking about. I watched the, the last six minutes of this match because NXT is an overrun; it goes slightly longer than AEW. I watched the last like six minutes of this match after AEW last night. I'm just like they're doing stuff at a million miles an hour, and it's getting a reaction, and it's all good stuff. But, like, I'm not going to remember a single thing. As you said, I'm not going to remember a single exchange. I'm not going to remember a single sequence. Because it's just balls to the wall the whole way through. Yeah, but, like, it's Pete Dunne and Damien Priest. Mm. That's kind of what I'm cool with. I, I expected, like, just a cool match. And it was just a cool match. It was a cool match. Exactly. <laughs> See, you admitted it's a cool match. I'll admit, uh, begrudgingly, uh, it's fine. <laughs> Well, I wonder which show you're voting for. Oh, like, like legitimately, I, I think this is the furthest. I think it was really neck and neck the first week. Like those shows, uh, the first week those shows were quality-wise right up next to each other. Last week, I think a, a again NXT had better wrestling, but AEW had some like honest to goodness tremendous like star building moments. So AEW won last week, and this week I just think there's a, a, a chasm between these two shows. One was so much better than the other. See, I I did like this NXT show, but it's so easy to see where the problems lie, and it's mm. the fact that there's just there's a lot of nothing going on, and there's a very big lull in the middle of the show that they haven't been able to find a way to fill yet. Yeah, like uh, this show had three segments. The uh, this show had the Champa return. This show had uh, Dijakovic against Keith Lee, and this show had Damian Priest against Pete Dunne. 
and everything else, even like the really good Imperium against uh, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan match, everything else was just there. It's there to exist to fill out two hours of television. And I don't think that's good enough on an actual television show. That's fine on a WWE Network show that nobody watches. And I'm convinced nobody watched this show before and before it went on to say I didn't. Uh, unless there was like a match people hyped up. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch the weekly TV at all. It's it's fine on a, a, a WWE Network show where the stakes are lower and like you don't you're not fighting with another wrestling you didn't pick a fight uh, with another wrestling company. But it's just, it's, it feels like nothing. you got to fill this show out. Yeah, we need some substance. And it's freaking announced matches for that bloody takeover and then start building them up. When is that takeover? I don't know. When is the next takeover? Is it the is same it... week as Full Gear? Is it the Survivor Series weekend? Let me Google NXT TakeOver and see which one is next. Ready for some live research yes we're doing live research nxt takeover war games is november 23rd so we're still over a month away from it (laughs) (laughs) i just like come on guys do you think we'll still be doing this show by the time we get to nxt war games that is four four weeks away from so it's four episodes away. I'm gonna say yes. I think this show lasts until January when WWE, when USA moves NXT to Tuesdays or Thursdays, probably Tuesdays. <laughs> Wait, if it moves to Tuesdays, that's not good news for Impact. <laughs> if it moves to Tuesdays, does this show pivot into the Tuesday night war games? Impact against <laughs> NXT. Yeah, in fairness, if they if they move NXT to Tuesdays, I would imagine Impact would probably move to Thursdays. Well, we just I just I can't get you to review Impact, can I? No. Uh, so I vote AEW. What do you vote for? I vote AEW. Uh, fan vote seventy four percent, twenty six percent voted AEW as well. Uh, match of the night. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't get your match of the night. Uh, that's a tough one. I would probably go Darby and Jericho. Uh, my uh, match of the night was the all-star tag match with Hangman and Omega versus Mox and Park. This this is a night where like like I don't know a, a good like six really good matches, but not a, like a, a really great standout. So that's a good night of wrestling when you when you're like, which of these five matches am I going to choose for for match of the night? I'm also going to say like, um, just because I want to do give them some credit, like Dunn and Priest was my second favorite match of the night. It was a close race between those two matches for me. It was like a three and a quarter star match, but cool. <laughs> Whatever, man. I'm allowed to like what I like. I also want to do a quick shout out to the Flag Watch. Mm-hmm. I've been paying attention to the NXT flags. Of course. And um, Pete Dunn had the best flag this week. Describe it. Um, it had his big bear logo on it. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a maroon. I have to start watching for these flags. <laughs> Well, there was four flags on this show, Garrett. Whoa. Who's making these flags? Can you... That's what, that's what I'm asking. I have a flag conspiracy going. Who are your guesses for the people who had flags this show? Uh, I'm going to guess Boa, because he had a backstage promo. Unfortunately, Boa did not have a flag. This is very upsetting. Uh, who else? Uh, Pete Dunn had one, so naturally... <laughs> Damien Priest, did he have a flag? Damien Priest had a flag. You, you're going to start taking screenshots of these flags and we'll start tweeting them out. We'll start, comp- and then we'll like, we'll, we'll, we'll do it at the end of the year. We'll do a big vote for who had the best flag. NXT flag games. Wow. Before we go, where can people find you on the internet? 
Uh, you can find me on at Larrikin. I'm not going to spell it out because I messed it up last time. Also, Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic had the other flags. Yeah, and they had a boring match. Uh, we are not the only AEW-related podcast on the Voices Wrestling Podcast Network. What? You can listen to Everything Elite every Thursday night with uh, Mike, Nate, and AB. Also, if you want more WWE discussion, except what? other than just NXT, you can listen to Shake Them Ropes, which is every Saturday, I think, now, because of the SmackDown move to Friday. So you can listen to them talk about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, UK, UK and maybe 205 Live, if it still exists. There's no way of Braver men than I. <laughs> oh, watching WWE is torture. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryKidneyGA or E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at WarGamesPod. Thanks for listening. Bye! Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.